Hey guys, welcome back to the Nutrition Expedition. Before today's episode, we just wanted to say, we're not qualified specialists. If you have any issues, see a healthcare professional. The daily posts, including recipes, exercises, nutrition facts, and calorie comparisons, follow us on Instagram at The Nutrition Expedition. Peace. Hi and welcome back to the podcast guys. Today we have another um, guest who has been on the podcast before and is joining us again. It's women's wellness nutritionist, uh, Elle Brown. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back guys. I'm really chuffed. Thank you. No worries. And last episode was amazing we did with you. So if anyone who's interested in women's health or anything like that, uh, make sure to check the podcast we did with her out because it was really good and for someone like Mateo and myself, we're, we're guys, we don't understand that much and you're not really taught that much at school. So it's, it's good to know that stuff because you obviously you have your, your parents, you have your sisters, you have your partner, you know, so even for guys, it's really important. But to start off, just want to ask, what have you been up to? Obviously, the, the guests know who you are if they've listened. So what have you been up to since I think it was around September last year? Yeah, gosh, what a blur, hey, like what a year we've had and even the start to this year, Crazy. but I've been super busy, which is awesome. Um, I think quite a few women have needed a lot of support post-COVID and well, we're still in it, aren't we? Um, so yeah, the beginning of the year for me has mainly been one-on-one consultation. So I work in a gorgeous space on the beaches, so I get to see women one-on-one, which is really cool. And I actually launched a product since I last spoke to you. So um, I created a magnesium body oil. So I have a line of those oils that help to support women with their hormones and with sleep and stress. And so, yeah, I've been super, super busy. That's so awesome. So let us know a bit more about it. Like, are there any other people that can use this or is it like mainly for women? Like, is it, can guys use it as well? Or is it more Ooh, of I, can, I can let you in on a little secret. We have a limited edition men's one coming as Ooh. well. So... You guys inspired me though. Um, it's, it's because a lot of the boyfriends and husbands we hear were um, stealing their girlfriends. It's called She Spread. <laughs> wow. So it's very girly and, you know, men post surf or post exercise, they get, you know, more sore or just as sore as women. So I want to cater to the guys as well even though I usually cater just to the women. So there is a limited edition one coming out. And as you guys probably know, magnesium is so important for, you know, muscle tension, stress, and with women in particular hormones. So I've sourced a really, really pure magnesium. It's from Western Australia, and I'm really excited with the quality of this product. So it's really awesome for people that struggle to take supplements orally, which I know we talked a lot about last time. Um, and it just absorbs beautifully through the skin. So yeah, check it out. Awesome. And question around that, like what is the difference between um, consuming it orally or like applying it on your skin? Like it, which one kind of absorbs better or is it similar? That's a really good question. So as I think we touched on last time I was on the podcast, actually, we talked a bit about like absorption and digestive issues. And most people I see, particularly women, have a lot of gut or digestive stuff going on. So there's a lot of symptoms like reflux and bloating and pain and discomfort after meals. And stress is a huge factor in that. But so are, you know, the foods that we eat, the way we consume foods, the rapid speed that we eat, and a lot of those ultra-processed foods that a lot of people live on. 
So if you're taking a supplement orally and you have digestive issues, perhaps you're not absorbing it as well as you could. So a lot of people might experience diarrhea from taking supplements or they're just not getting the benefits because of the state of their gut. So obviously you could work on amplifying your gut health and optimizing that. But for a lot of people that aren't doing that, um, a skin-based topical supplement or cream or spray can be a really, really good option to kind of just divert away from that oral supplement if that's something that's of concern. And for many of the women that I work with, it is. I do a lot of gut health stuff with women. And I think there's a lot of women experiencing daily and monthly symptoms from their cycles. So if they can apply that magnesium topically straight to their belly, we know it's going straight into the bloodstream straight into the muscles and bypassing that whole digestive system. Fascinating. That's a really cool answer. I like, yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, what we wanted to get you on the podcast today about uh, today was about um, weight loss and just in general, everyone's weight loss journeys and everyone has different weight loss uh, stories, journeys, um, circumstances. Everyone's in different um, areas of their life. They, they may encounter more, more weight gain, less it's just it varies within every person as everyone must uh know by now um but we just wanted to ask to start off uh why do most people lose weight and then why do they and then why eventually most commonly do they gain it back so quickly that's a really good question and i think it comes down to the method that we use to try and lose weight so the dieting method in general that method of restriction where you're leaving out certain foods or you're leaving out certain food groups or there's just no joy or you get in that rut of eating the same thing every single day because you're trying to lose weight your only focus is weight is that it's just not sustainable right so we might go on these protocols or we restrict ourselves because our only focus or our sole focus is losing weight and we can't maintain it long term so of course we might be able to do it for two weeks or a month or six months if you're lucky but then those other habits creep back in and when we've restricted ourselves for a period of time how shiny does all the other stuff become like if we tell ourselves okay you can never have chocolate or for while I'm on this diet I'm not going to eat carbohydrates or whatever rule or restriction you're posing or imposing on yourself as soon as you do that for a period of time those things that you're leaving out become so shiny and so glistening that when they sneak back in they often sneak back in excess so we go from a restrictive state to more of a binge state as soon as we taste bread or we taste chocolate again we're just straight back onto it we can't kind of regulate when we're in that space so my main thing that I see is that it's not that we can't lose weight and keep it off for the long term it's that the method that people decide to use to do that is still heavily you know related and directed to the diet industry and to restriction and those types of methods like I would be a million Millionaire, if people wanted to work on their lifestyle and small changes over time and nutrition education. But unfortunately, it's not as sexy as me selling, you know, diet shakes or liquid meals or over exercising and under eating. For some reason, people are still drawn to those methods. Shredded in four weeks is, is the, yes. the common one. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. the thing. Or some people, um, you know, we all want it now, don't we? Yeah. Like, we're living in a society where we can literally click our fingers and get whatever we want. So we have access to food 24 hours a day with like 7-Eleven and 24-hour restaurants and meal delivery services. And so it's like 
we want everything right now. So it's, it's not sexy to say to someone, hey, this journey might take you one to two years to get to where you want to get even though that might lead them into a totally different lifestyle that they can make those changes forever. Like you said, they want something in four days, four weeks. I need to fit into that dress in a month's time. So it's that short-term focus. Yeah, and Lockie and I always preach that it's a lifestyle thing. It's not It's not a quick yeah. fit. And even back in school, we used to like sit at the lunch table when you're 12, not even joking, and we used to talk about how like mm. – it's a lifestyle. It's not this thing where you just click your fingers and you're, you're, and that's what I used to watch when I used to watch Biggest Loser when I was younger. I used to, used to see that they're such in such a regimented, uh, area. They're, they're, they're sleeping, living, eating, uh, thinking, everything is based around their weight loss. And unfortunately when you leave an area like that, a situation like that, your temptation levels shoot through the roof in terms of what you have to eat, your as as you said, meal delivery, um, restaurants, servos, you know, you name it. So the issue is they start to gain it back straight away because the temptation they haven't been taught how to stay away or how to restrict exactly. or how to um, what do you say uh, minimize the food intake. Uh, they've been taught how to work it off as hard as you can for six weeks, but they haven't been taught how to live your proper lifestyle and, and incorporate those nice foods whilst minimizing it so yeah that's what one one thing i used to always see the biggest loser i was yeah. like i was like i saw them in the paper after like six weeks and i'm like hang on a sec they look they look almost back to what they were or like they've put on weight since their reveal at the end of the show and i was like oh why is that and yeah. obviously i'm too young to understand that but but even to you back that what? up sorry sorry i was just sorry to, to, we're like fighting for it <laughs> but we're both so passionate we just want to so yell about it no, it's such a good example. And in my other work, we actually looked at the long-term outcomes and studies from The Biggest Loser. And most of those contestants, like you said, gained most of the weight back, if not all of it or more. Yeah. So you're so on the money there. And I think the issue is that if I just gave someone a diet plan and said, you know, on Monday at this time, you are to eat this amount of chicken with this amount of rice and this amount of vegetables, what do they learn outside of that meal plan? So all they've learned in that period of time is at this time of the day, if I eat this, I will sustain my weight. But then take them out of that environment, put them in a social event or put them in a day where they think, screw it, I don't want the meal plan. They have no idea how to build a meal. They don't understand the importance of things like protein or how to balance a meal out or why carbohydrates are not terrible for you or why we need to eat enough vegetables or what that even looks like. And it's like you said, they're dumbfounded. So these people step out of that biggest loser environment and they're like, hang it, I'm not going to eat these tiny restrictive portions. But they also have no education around how to actually build a meal. And like you said, you get back out into life, you're working, we're busy, there's stress, there's emotion, and it's just so unattainable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something to back this all up is I've, I've read Lane Norton's Fat Loss Forever book. And he talks about how 95% of people who go on these fad diets gain their weight back or if not more within three years. So someone listening that's wanting to lose weight, you can say, hey, this might take you two or three years and you'll do it sustainably and you'll keep it off forever. Or you can be in this 95% and realistically, yeah, you'll lose it, but you're going to gain it back and you're going to be more miserable than ever. Which one are you going to choose? Because once people understand that, I feel like people are way more inclined to go 
towards that lifestyle for a method, isn't it? 100%. And I say to people, like, you didn't fail, the method and the industry failed you. And when you look at that, like, if, if you talked about, if you use that statistic and place it up against medication or a surgery, if I said to you, you know, if you do this surgery, there's only a four to five percent chance that this surgery will work, or there's only a four to five percent chance this medication will work. The amount of people that would refuse that type of treatment because the success rate is so low, yet the diet industry is exactly the same and we're still so drawn to it. So your point is so valid. It, yeah. It's not that you're failing, it's not sustainable. The industry is failing you, the method is failing you. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like it's like going to gamble and seeing the jackpot prize. Yeah. And you go you're yeah. sitting down, you know, you sit down, you sit there for about ten minutes and then you leave. <laughs> the same thing. You go there, you see the massive jackpot, which is like going down to your prime weight, and then you go, you know yeah. what, it's not worth waiting all this or time. Or you can work every day for three years of your life yeah. and get the jackpot. Exactly. Through the hard work. Through the hard work. Exactly. Exactly. Or exactly. you know what? You get there and you're so focused on your weight and you realize that all those things that you thought being thinner would give you, it actually doesn't feel that way. Yeah. So there's so many other factors to well-being. And I've had women go, wow, I thought if I lost that seven kilos, my relationship would improve. I'd like my job more. I'd like myself more. And the truth is, is that you can still be seven kilos lighter and sad and miserable and hating yourself. Weight is just one aspect of that. So I always drive that home as well. Like, what is the driver for wanting to lose that seven kilos? And if there's not satisfaction in all those other areas of your life, maybe we need to look at that too, because yeah. you're still going to be in that same place, just lighter physically, yeah. but not emotionally. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, you sort of asked the question to yourself there, but what... I mean, it sounds like a very self-explanatory and easy question to answer, but no, what correct. what yeah. is the what is the reason then for people to be losing weight? What's what's the what's the what's the reason? You know, because people they all wanna. It's like ninety, I don't know, ninety percent of people want to lose it to look better, you know, or to in their mind look better. Um, so, what is the fundamental reason people should be losing weight um, if they're at a higher higher level than what they should be? You know. There's a lot of people, I think, in this industry, like um, there's a huge trend at the moment, would you say, to move away from weight loss, you know, like the health at every size yeah. trends or the body positivity movement. And whilst I do align with both of those trends, I think there are situations where weight loss can be really positive and beneficial for people. I work with a lot of women where their weight is affecting their life in a way that, you know, mobility, symptoms that they're experiencing I've got women that come in that say, you know, I can't walk up my flight of stairs in my house without being totally breathless or their weight is putting a lot of pressure on their joints. They want to run around with their children. I've got young people that just want to feel comfortable in their clothes. And I think all of these reasons are very, very valid reasons. And I'm very supportive of my clients wanting to lose weight. I just want to make sure that all, in all other areas, they're also supported and that they feel good and that we're doing it as a health goal, not as a purely physical focused goal. Because I think when you do that, you miss the important parts is that, yes, if we focus on well-being, weight loss will be this beautiful byproduct. But guess what? You get beautifully functioning hormones, you get an adequately functioning gut, and then weight loss actually becomes easier because all those body systems are working harmoniously and working well. 
But absolutely, like weight can really, really impact your quality of life and, you know, your ability to do everyday tasks and things. I think if that's happening to you, that's such a valid reason to kind of look at your own life and go, okay, what would my life look like if I was five kilos lighter? Maybe it would be a whole new lease on life. So yeah, definitely. I really like that approach. I feel like Mateo and I have a similar approach when it comes to the body positive movement because it is, some people are meant to be bigger, some people are meant to be leaner. For example, Mateo and I, I'm meant to have more body fat than Mateo. Mateo is naturally a leaner yeah. person. And it, same, it's not just guys, it goes for girls as well. And the, and the funny thing is, some of the bigger girls will look at the skinny, skinny, smaller girls and be like, hey, I want to be like that. And the skinny, smaller girls will look at the bigger girls, say, in the gym and be like, hey, I want to be like that. And they don't realize that it's this vicious cycle of wanting to be each other. But it does get to a point where you are too big and, and you're affecting your health and that's, that's where the line probably draws. But people need to understand that some people are going to be bigger than others and that's just what we naturally are. And now on to the more... Sorry, go ahead with what you're going to say. Oh, no, I was just going to totally agree with you there and say, you know, it's like I say to a lot of women, I've had women bring in photos before and go, this is what I want to look like. And it's a woman that genetically is totally different to them. You know, their genetic feel, their genetic makeup. And just having those conversations with people like, you could adopt that woman's exact exercise routine, that woman's exact nutrition plan, and you will never look like that woman. Or you will never look like that man. And that's exactly what you're saying. And that's why I think we get fixated with these influencers and celebrities and we go, I need to look like that. The best thing you can do is realize you're never going to look like that. And all you should be striving for is the best version of yourself. You know, what size is my body when I feel my absolute best, when my energy is high, when I fit into my clothes comfortably, when I can walk around the block comfortably, you know, that's what you should be asking yourself. Yeah. It's not like going into a hairdresser where you bring a photo and go, give me this hairdo, you know, you you gotta... (laughs) People do though. They absolutely do. And I just go, oh my gosh, like this one lady said to me, I want my legs to look like that. And it's like, this chick is 6'2", and you're 5'4". I mean, I can't stretch you out on a machine. It's never going to be like that. You know, and I wish she could have seen her own beauty and realized, you know, look at all the things my legs allow me to do. But it was this fixation that thinking diet and exercise was going to give her this drastic new body. And it's just, it just isn't that way. Yeah. And I want to go into the lifestyle factors, but at the end of the day, people should be aiming to be their best self rather than be someone else or attain to something similar as someone else. So onto the first lifestyle factor is one that Mateo and I think is really crucial and it's sleep. What factor does sleep have on weight loss and how can it affect it? Yeah, this is an awesome one. So a few things happen when we sleep, but the main thing is we process the day and it gives our body systems an opportunity to rejuvenate. So when we don't get adequate sleep within that sleep cycle, some of our body systems miss out on rejuvenating. So if we stay up too late, if the hours of sleep we get are too small, if we wake up too early, that can impact the body system regulation. So it might impact our liver, it might impact our gut, it might impact our hormones. And then the back end of that is that when we wake up and we're sleep deprived and we're tired, our energy is at an all time low. So guess what we crave? sugars and carbs and that's just a simple fact and so people that over time have less sleep or less than adequate sleep 
body systems are impacted and then what we actually feel like is impacted. So in the day, our choices then are going to lead us down a path of ultimately if they continue over time, gaining weight, not feeling our best. Yeah, simple but true, hey? Yeah, and we've had tons of people on talking about sleep and the effects and the impacts and benefits of good sleep. Uh, we've had people on about how many hours to sleep, the range of hours you should be sleeping, yeah. the benefits... <laughs> Um, but we've never actually gone in depth about how it impacts weight loss. So it's good to hear that. That uh, obviously a lot of people will know that, or they'll think that that'll be their first first thought when they think about what what benefits can sleep offer to weight loss journeys. But I think it's good to hear from someone that's studied it and yeah, understands it. I even think next time if someone's unsure about what I was saying, try it yourself and. If you say you have a bad night's sleep, deprive yourself from sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do have a bad night's sleep, honestly, like see see how you feel the next day. Because I know for a fact I have way more cravings and hunger feelings the next day after I have a bad night's sleep. Whereas when I'm full of sleep, I feel like I'm so energized naturally, and I don't even need that much food. Yeah. So it's it's so true. And that's yeah. the and that's the thing. Like we want more caffeine, so we go for more coffees, and we might get a ton of milky coffees, which then are really calorie rich. And then we want those sugars that are going to give us that really quick high yeah. because our energy is so low and it's just a lot of calorie density in the day following. Yeah, you heard it here first. Uh, try, what, <laughs> try what Elle said. If it doesn't work, torment her on Instagram. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, come uh, and find me and challenge me. I'm sure yeah. someone will. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll have no, no, uh, they'll have no photo on their account and like yeah, be like, oh. It yeah. always is yeah. the way. It's, it's yeah, like, like the Facebook guy with the haircut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh. enough about uh, Instagram trolls, and we'll go on to. Uh, <laughs> Hormones and how hormones, I know you, you specialize a lot with women's health and women's hormones and how it affects um, their daily lives. But if you could sort of mention both male and female, uh, how, how crucial is it for people to have balanced hormones um, to achieve a good weight loss? Good question. Well, lucky for you guys, this is less common for men. I mean, obviously you guys can have less testosterone, which then would impact your hormonal function and your body function. But for women, the main one that we sort of look at that often gives them the symptoms is the high estrogen. So we were just talking a little bit about this actually before we jumped on. But when estrogen is high, that's when women can experience, particularly around their periods, things like tender breasts and bloating different period symptoms like pain or even clotting in their bleed. Sorry for the too much information, boys. But all those things can in turn, again, change what we crave. So that can play with our blood sugar and have us craving a range of sugar. We can have overgrowth of things like candida for women if hormones are irregular, which again makes you crave sugar and carbs like crazy. So I guess the key takeaway message is that those irregularities change what we crave. So it's not that necessarily those cause us to gain weight, although they can change our body composition. So for some women, particularly women that are older and heading towards menopause, I often hear them say to me that they have this tire look around their middle section. And that can be from that hormone fluctuation as they get towards menopause and that impact to other body systems like the liver and the gut that maybe need a bit of support during that time. But generally for younger girls and women, it's more that those hormone irregularities change what they feel like. And so the dietary choices change. And then we're eating those foods that are pro-inflammatory like your sugars or excess dairy or excess refined carbohydrates. 
that's when we start seeing skin issues, excess weight, bloating, water retention, all those things that lead people to feel really sluggish or that can just make it more difficult to shed those excess kilos. It's funny because we're saying how all these lifestyle factors can affect weight loss, whereas in reality, all these lifestyle factors affect each other. The way you're eating could affect your sleep and your hormones and the cycle. So if you start from the basics with food and uh, your sleep and hydration, that can have massive impact on your hormones in general kind of imbalancing it absolutely and that's the thing women come to me and they're like oh my goodness my gut's a mess my hormones are a mess i'm never gonna get well and some of the things i do is like increase their water and increase their broccoli intake you know something as simple as broccoli can really help to minimize that excess estrogen and pull it out from the body and really help the liver to do what it needs to do so You can do so much through food and I think people forget that and we get so stressed about these big processes and, oh, I read about this gut protocol and, oh, I have to go and do this that's going to cost hundreds of dollars. But those really key tools are right there and they're inexpensive and there's so much you can do in the food space, even the movement space, which I know you guys are really interested in, but just the simple like tactic of sweating, getting your heart rate up, moving your body using your muscles, getting the blood pumping. These things all help to excrete toxins, regulate hormones, help you sleep better. So it is those simple foundational things that I think we try and jump from where we are to the really extreme things because the foundational things aren't sexy or appealing either. Like people want to come to me and have me go, oh, this is what you need to do and have it be so complex. But I'm like, okay, can you drink some more water and eat some more greens and we'd be good. And they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And yeah. you mentioned food, and let's go on to that. So you've mentioned what not to do, and that's more the um, the like regimented regimes of like having set foods, maybe a meal yeah. plan or something like that. What are your tips for what people should do to lose weight in terms of their food and understanding what to eat? That's a really good thing. And the, the place I sort of start with people is – You can go on the internet and you can get ideas about what would work for your body. But the first step I get my clients to do is actually tune into how their body feels when they eat certain foods. Because I have so many women that go online and go, oh, this girl's eating, you know, oats for breakfast, for example. I'm going to do that because she's thin. But then they're eating oats every day and they're bloating or they feel really hungry after them or they're not particularly enjoying that food. So the step one is like, What do you enjoy and what leaves you feeling good? And that's that first important step because what you enjoy, you're going to continue to do. What you don't enjoy and you're just doing because you want to lose weight, you're only going to be able to do for a short period of time. So if you hate porridge, don't go on a plan or put yourself in a restricted state where it's like, I have to eat porridge every day. If you hate it, just don't even go there. If it gives you symptoms, don't even go there. So step one is like, figure out what you like and figure out what leaves your body feeling good. Because for me, porridge leaves me feeling really crap. But for some of my female clients, they feel amazing on it. So if I told them what to eat that suited my body, it wouldn't work for them. Similarly, what they're doing doesn't work for me. So ditch the mindset that there's one set way. You need it to fit in with your lifestyle, your desires, your likes. So that's step one. And then step two is balancing those meals. So getting them full of those nutrients and minerals and vitamins that we need. So having adequate protein with every meal, not demonizing foods like carbs and fats that are so important for energy and 
feeling satisfied and keeping us full. And then also ensuring that each meal has vegetables or salad or some kind of fruit with it. So I always say like, don't just eat dead food. We need to have veggies and fruits and food that's alive and that also provides us with energy. So I think what people miss with nutrition in this space is that when I do the food recall, most people don't eat enough protein. So straight off the bat, if we're just living on carbs and fruits and vegetables, we're burning through that energy source super, super quickly. We don't have anything to back it up like protein would or fats would. So it's kind of get, gaining that little bit of education, I guess, around, okay, am I eating enough protein? Am I eating enough carbohydrates? Are my meals balanced? And if you're not sure, a really good starting point is just like popping down in the notes in your phone what you're eating in a day. So that can provide a few things for you. That can have you look over it and go, okay, I'm going to gain a little bit of education surrounding protein and I'm going to see if those meals include it. And the other thing that writing down meals and snacks can do is it actually opens your eyes to what you're consuming in a day. So, so many people come in and say to me, this is all I'm eating. And I'm like, I'm looking at the client and I'm looking at the food recall and I'm thinking something isn't matching up here. You know, if we're 15 kilos overweight, but we're saying to ourselves and our, and our um, practitioner, all I'm having is avocado on toast, a salad and chicken and vegetables. There's something that we're missing. And often what we all do is that we forget about the beverages that we consume in the day. We forget about all the snacks or the things that we bought at the cafe or the things that we're just putting in our mouth mindlessly throughout the day. So it's considering all of those factors and coming up with something that is specific for you. Very true. And we've covered those three main um, pillars, if you will, of weight loss. But uh, I feel like a big one is uh, the mental state or emotional state and how that impacts weight loss. And I feel like that's a very obvious link right there. I feel like a lot of people will understand that and will um, in some way or another resonate with that. But can you tell us and, and expand on that a little bit and tell us a little bit about how the link is made and like what, how does one affect the other in some, in some aspect? Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be so good if we were like robots, hey, and we just had no emotion towards food or feelings and we could yeah. just go, okay, I'm going to eat this and it doesn't matter how it tastes and that's all I'm going to do. But unfortunately, like we're humans filled with lots of emotions and feelings and Food is such an emotional situation, isn't it? Like food surrounds everything in our lives. We celebrate with it. We share it with people we love. We lean on it when we're sad or stressed or something's going on for us. Food can be used as a self-soothing method. So a lot of my clients that binge eat or that just uncontrollably eat, that's often a stress response or a response to us not wanting to feel an emotion. Similarly, when we restrict food, that's often a means of control. So everything else in our lives feels out of control. What's the one thing we can control? Our food intake. So emotions is a major driver on how we eat. So can we regulate our eating intake? Like, do we place ourselves in situations where we overly restrict or we are completely out of control? So that's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is that certain foods just light up all those pleasure centers of our brain. So if we're feeling particularly crappy or we're just like, hang it, everything's going wrong and we eat something sugary or we eat something carb full and processed, all those pleasure centers light up and it does give us that hit of, of those feel good hormones where we're all of a sudden in a totally transported and different state. The issue is, is that it's so momentary. 
So we'll eat that block of chocolate or we'll eat that really, really high calorie dense food. But then the come down of that afterwards often results in guilt and feeling yucky and feeling sick and kind of sitting there and going, why did I do that? But that's the nature of those emotional responses, right? And often sometimes in my job, I feel like a bit of a therapist because it's kind of figuring out what's going on for the individual and why is that emotional response to food happening? But we all do it. We all do it. Where There's Thank not you. one client I've ever sat with and gone, wow, they have no emotional response to food. There's always an emotional response. And same to drinks. Like most of us are addicted to coffee. Most of us can't regulate our alcohol intake. It's one of those things that is really driven by those factors of like, I don't like my job, so I'm going to go coffee or I'm tired and cranky so I'm going to get a coffee or I've had a crap day at work I'm getting a bottle of wine I mean we hear people saying these things all the time but it's true that's how we we live our lives sadly yeah it's true yeah and what we have to look at to break it down big time is when you eat food what's the first thing you think about Mm, does this taste good or bad and that is an emotional response straight away is the first thing you think is does this make me happy sad does it make me angry did i pay too much for something that tastes bad did uh <laughs> or did i waste least... my calories some yeah. people say that yeah, oh my exactly. god i wasted my calories yeah did i waste my calories on this <laughs> the bad dessert this crappy dessert worst thing you can do i mean there's a whole lot of things that there's all emotional responses when it comes to food i feel like everyone does it and even after you feel like what you said you feel guilty you feel a whole Absolutely. ton of emotions that, that, that are surrounding that so yeah yeah but you know what like on the flip side of what you just said to turn that into a positive, there's the other side of things that dieting and that mindset of wanting to lose weight, people often think that joy can't be a part of that. So they go on the opposite end of the spectrum and get really fixated on food for fuel. And what am I eating to fuel myself? And how do I lose weight? But when we have a lack of joy in our eating, similarly, we can't maintain that protocol or that way of eating. So Joy is still a really, really important part of why we eat. And I don't want people to think like, oh, if, if I enjoy my meal, I'm overly emotional about food because that's not the case. I think that's why when I work with people, I like to talk about joy and where are we going to get the joy in what we're eating? It's not just about fuel. Our meals might be about fuel, but somewhere in our day, I like to include joy. Otherwise, it's, it's just going to be short lived. Yeah. And expanding on fuel. Uh, commonly when people are losing weight, say they have two, three good weeks, they're feeling good and then it kind of hits them. They get this low energy feeling and it's hard to continue and they get these cravings in their head and they're constantly tired. How can people avoid this burnout and keep losing weight or living healthy, consistent? I think it's maybe a mindset change because... We all, like, when we people get in that mindset of change, they're like, I have to be on something, right? It's really, really appealing to be, like, doing an exercise regime, doing, an like, a nutrition plan, and we get so, like, excited and push ourselves too hard. So it's finding that balance within it to avoid that burnout. So, like, rest is just as important as training. Similarly, joy is just as important as fuel. So I think it's just that mindset shift surrounding it and focusing on those key factors like we talked about before, like realizing that sleep is important, realizing that rest is important, realizing that minimizing those stress responses is important. So I often ask my clients, like, what are some things in your life that you really, really enjoy? Or what is movement that you really enjoy? So that 
when you're on a protocol or you want to make a change, it's not just focused around pushing yourself and being on, you know, like the grind has become so like hot topic. Like I'm grinding, I'm pushing myself. Like we think that's so appealing, but the truth is, is that that's not a state to put yourself in when you want to feel well, like these protocols shouldn't feel like you're physically dying or you're burning out. Like they should be feeling good. And sure, there might be some discomfort, change is hard, but at the same time, you're not supposed to be there hating it, getting up at 5 a.m. every day to hit the gym. If that's not your thing, like find what is your thing. Maybe it's walking or dance classes or, you know, a team sport. Maybe it's not grinding at the gym. So. I think it's just, yeah, that mindset shift, moving away from I have to be pushing myself to the extreme, I have to be at burnout level. It's like we talked about, that's just going to be a short-lived venture. Absolutely, absolutely. and couldn't agree more on that. Um, Burnout is something that we all encounter when we're trying to do many things, you know, whether you're training for something with a, uh, well, big thing, training for something. Even Lockie and I were talking to people the other day, we were at a 21st and um, they were t- talking us through their uh, their experiences going to the gym, how they go once, twice, and then they feel like, ah, it's not, maybe it's not for me, you know, I'm not seeing results. or that's, that's the main thing, I'm not seeing results. And that's what we were talking about before is that you go in for a week, I mean, you can't yeah. expect... Yeah, where's my abs? Like, <laughs> unless, um, unless, like, there's a massive... Uh, you're in a massive low to begin with, then it's easier to see results quicker, obviously. Like, if, say, someone's um, rather overweight and they lose the one week of eating really well and, yeah. and clean, they're gonna be massive, massive results, massive improvements made. Um, but for the every everyday person that's sort of in and out of things, it's really hard to get those results like instantaneously. Instantly, so um, couldn't agree more with that. Uh, now onto uh, some very stock standard questions we like to uh, ask. <laughs> our guests now um what is one thing you've learned or found interesting this week or recently my goodness i'm so dumbfounded right now this week or recently just recently i think anything it doesn't even have to be health related just anything you found fascinating has to be has to be from the last 24 hours that you have a point on <laughs> <laughs> oh my god pressure is so on no, no, no. yeah okay something i learned today Yeah, I think it just comes down to that whole thing with clients where a lot of my clients forget who they are in it and what they actually want to get out of a well-being goal. So a lot of them come in and they're just like, oh, I want to be what this person is or I want to look like this person. And I think it's just being real with yourself and being honest with yourself and considering why you want to do something and what's the driver for you. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I think... My husband would like it if I did this or my friends are into this, so I need to be into this. But when I sit down with people, it kind of does feel a bit like a therapy session because it's like, well, why do you want to lose weight? What are you hoping is on the other side of that? So I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned as I've been in this industry longer is, you know, people need to get specific about what's going to work for them and why they have these wants and needs and not just comparing themselves and where they're at to everyone else and just yeah you do you that's the biggest thing i think yeah. is you do you and it could ease that could easily answer the next question and you have answered this question before but what's one tip or an, well, let's say another tip because you've answered it before what's another <laughs> tip to help people's health in any way to get healthy in any way 
to, to improve people's health in any way? Oh, okay. I think I'm going to say what I said last time. I probably said the same thing. Water is always my biggest tip. Just hydrate yourself. And I think I actually said that exact same thing last mm. time. But so many it's people forget again. So about... Unimaginative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so unimaginative, I said. As a I know, but it's the no, truth. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. See, it's not interesting <laughs> and like fascinating and fun or sexy or anything like that, but we forget to drink water. So no. just drink water. That actually comes before food. Even, even for me right now, I like my i'm so thirsty <laughs> and that's just yeah. that's that's uh as we all have learned in school is like the last stage of dehydration that you shouldn't be feeling thirsty ever or even at worst having a headache, you know so. what some people go beyond that and yeah. the symptoms go to like brain fog and headaches yeah. and dry eyes and cracked lips so if you have any of those things if your lips are cracked or dry you're very dehydrated. My, my lips aren't <laughs> cracked, but they're starting to get a bit dry. So I think, uh, guys, I think I might have to go lay down for a second. Uh, oh, that's fine. You're excused. Yeah. <laughs> so lastly, we'd just like to let you know, uh, let listeners know where they can find you. Do you want to give the listeners any idea? Yeah, awesome. So I'm um, L Brown Nutritionist on social media. And yeah, if you're looking to find me for a consultation, you can go through there or you can find me at lbrownnutrition.com. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like we mentioned it before, but a lot of people follow people on Instagram who are just promoting, like, like there's all these influencers that literally all they do is promote stuff. And I don't know how they have, like, hundreds of thousands of followers for doing nothing. And a lot of them just show off their six-pack or depending on who their target market is, they just... This shows some un- unrealistic goals which people aspire to, which they shouldn't. I feel like there needs to be more people like yourself on social media where they're being real about everything and they're showing people more realistic understanding about where, what they can achieve and more realistic tips rather than just promoting crap and um, showing some exaggerated stuff. So honestly, I think it's so important for people to follow you on Instagram, especially. Oh, thank you. I didn't pay you to say that either. Thank you. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> well, I don't know. Lucky you check your mail in the next couple of days. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I echo what he said. And, and I don't know really, I don't know why, I don't know where the term influencers came from because all they oh, honestly, yeah. all they honestly do is influence bad life decisions. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't. Oh, I don't really. Yeah. I mean, I there probably say, are some good ones. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, there's a lot. There's actually quite a lot that are, that are very good. But I mean, the the overwhelming majority is just is is something I can't. I really struggle to, um, yeah, to find interesting in any way, shape, or form. So, uh, I would stay away from those sort of. Did I tell you guys about the one I saw the other day? It's so, oh my God. It was this girl telling all her clients that um, you can't cook food in oil. You can only cook it in water if you want to be shredded. That was like the worst one I've seen in a while. I just see some really intense things on there. I think, oh my God, where did they even get that from? You know, you you should have responded in a DM like, next time you're cooking with oil, light a match over it and see what happens, please. That's that. <laughs> Honestly, go. imagine how bland your food would be cooked, uh, like using water. Yeah. Oh, can't wait to boil my. Can't wait to boil. Can't wait to boil. 
boil my lasagna in water next time. Yeah. I may as well. <laughs> but from like a science perspective as well, like the fats in oils help you to absorb your food. So like she just had no leg to stand on at all. Yeah. And she's probably a glorified nutritionist that's never done anything. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, that's a great way to sum up the well, podcast. <laughs> very positive way to end it. But uh, no, once again, as Lockie said, we, we really enjoy enjoyed talking to you last time. And that's, that's the reason we got you back on um, for another chat. And who knows, maybe another... another anytime, um, guys. Anytime. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and we really appreciate your time. And yeah, all the best. Oh, thanks, guys. You're very welcome. All right, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Bye.